Well, welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We are disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. My name is Aaron, lead pastor, and I've just got back last night. Uh, I got to spend two weeks in uh, Israel with uh, a group that we've took at 35, and so it was uh, uh, quite a, a trip, and I'm sure I, you don't want to sit through my slideshow, so we'll do the message today, but uh, for those of you, I'm going to put together um, some pictures and some stuff uh, later on if you have asked if you'd like to, if I would share that at a different time. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick an evening, and for anybody who wants to go through, we'll talk about our trip and the things that we had learned, which is good, so... Uh, but I do apologize if I'll uh, punch drunk because uh, I did get back last night, last night and uh, the world is fuzzy. So there you go. Uh, but we are here and this is our Say Yes series. We've been part of that. And our Say Yes series, we started at Easter. Uh, and that was uh, a series that uh, really is part of a bigger picture as we began. Uh, beginning of this year, we really set aside 2019 as a year as a congregation, as a church, that we're going to focus on worship. And worship is whatever's at the center of our life. Whatever our life revolves around, that is what we worship. And we want to make sure that Jesus is at the center of our life, that we actually are worshiping Him in spirit and in truth, in the actual reality of our life, that our our lives actually revolve around Christ. And in Scripture, God has given us three amazing ways and very practical ways that He invites us to put Him in the middle of our life, to center our lives on Christ. And those are with our time, and with our talent, and with our treasure. And uh, that's pretty, was pretty awesome, pretty practical things. And so uh, in February, we began by, as a congregation, really focusing on how can we worship God with our treasure, and we uh, spent some time doing that. This series is about worshiping God with our talents. And, uh, and so when we worship God with our talents, it's uh, serving God according to how He's made us, and that's something called ministry. Whenever we're doing an action through faith, when we're serving other people as an act of faith, that's ministry. And so this series is about really worshiping God with our talents and, and ministry. Now, we're calling this uh, an Easter. We talked about say yes to new life. So we began and uh, realizing that there's two different ways that, that li- new life begins. The first one is to be alive. That's being born again, having that eternal life in Christ Right To be alive is a great thing that we have in Christ, but then also how we live. We're invited into a new way of living and uh, to say yes to that as well, a life of service, a life uh, of ministry, a life of purpose. So that we'll be talking about today. And so through this service, uh, actually through the entire series, we're inviting uh, us to be able to engage our gifts and abilities to serve God in, in those areas of ministry. And so... Uh, uh, we talked about uh, ministry at the beginning. What is ministry? Well, ministry, we talked about is, is discipleship. When we serve God as, uh, as an act of serve, as a fact of faith, that actually is discipleship. That's following Jesus. It's learning how to, uh, to, to live the life that God has called us to, to live a life as Christ has called us to. And so ministry itself is discipleship. In fact, this, the, we did a whole, that sermon that we talked about. We realized that uh, ministry, the Scripture says, is a way to maturity, that ministry is a way to grow up in Christ. And that's different than what we had, uh, at least for me, I'd always thought of it. I always thought ministry was for the mature. Uh, because I had always seen mature people in ministry, right? It seemed like spiritually mature people tended to be the ones that were ministering to others. And so I thought, well, ministry was reserved for the mature. But we found out in the Word of God that ministry is the means that God grows us up, matures us into Christ. Well, no wonder mature people are ministering. That's how they made mature got to be mature. That's amazing. And so serving leads to maturity. In that, we found out that that serving also leads to unity. 
You know, one of the, I don't know if you've ever been to, but uh, my wife and I had a, had a chance when we were first married, uh, still brothers and sisters in Christ, but we got involved in a very legalistic kind of sect of Christianity where it was all about knowing the right things, right? You learn and learn and learn. You just kind of absorb all of the, all of the goodness of God, right? You, you want to learn about all the doctrine and things like this, but there was never an application, never a service right? We didn't get to express what we were learning that was because uh, we just wanted to learn, right? That's the way we thought discipleship came from. And I'll tell you, congregations like that become very dead. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I got to go to a place that was like that. It's called the Dead Sea. It has an inlet. It gets all of this wonderful water that comes in. It's all fresh and pure water, but it doesn't go out anywhere. And so it becomes lifeless and dead, and it's like that for a church when, and as believers, if we receive, if you come to church and you just absorb doctrine and truth, right, we can become like the Dead Sea, right? And so uh, ministry is that outlet. It's the expression of a life transformed. And what it does is it changes us. It grows us in maturity. Churches and both Christians who just receive doctrine, learn the word and things like that, and you'll notice that those kind of churches typically are places of a lot of, of uh, fights because everybody all knows the, the right doctrinal position on every little thing. But we find in the word that ministry is discipleship, that as we minister, we found to the word that actually it leads to this sense of unity because it says, as we serve, we grow unified. We, we grow closer together in Christ. Isn't it an amazing thing that a church, the church family, as we serve each other and serve our community as members of Christ's body, how we grow together? And in that, we become mature believers. And we're not tossed here and there by every little whim of doctrine. We don't get in fights over little tiny things. Ministry is essential. Ministry is discipleship. But it's more than discipleship. We found out that ministry, as we talked about, is worship. Ministry is when I'm serving other people as an act of my faith in God, when I'm saying that I believe that God made me to serve, and then uh, He's designed me, and that's our memory verse, and we're going to get to it in just a minute, but our memory verse that says that I am God's handiwork, that He's created me to do good works, I really believe that. And then I start to actually practice those good works as an act of faith, I am centering my life, right, uh, around Christ. I'm saying, God, you designed me for good works. And when I do those good works, I make them a priority. I'm putting Christ at the center of my life. It's an act of worship. I'm saying, God, you made me for it. So therefore, if it's a priority to you, it'll be a priority to me. And it's amazing when we begin to minister by that, how God then changes us. See, God placed us here for that. And so when we do it, we realize that ministry in that way is faithfulness. And faithful engagement in ministry is therefore great worship. The last thing we find out about ministry, this is my favorite, it says empowered by God. That God does things through ministry that, that we couldn't do on our own. That when you are serving as an act of faith, right, when you partner with God, and you say, you know, He made me for good works, and I start doing them, it, Time and time again, we see in Scripture, promise after promise, God says, I am with you in this, which means that He's working with you, which means that the sum total of what God's going to do through your ministry is more than you could ever do. That's an amazing thing. That means that ministry is a superhuman activity, which means it has superhuman results. 
means if you want to see the power of God in our present life, minister. Start serving and you will see God work in your life, do things that you yourself can't take full credit for. That's the whole point that God says he has to work with you. If if it was just the sum total of what you could do, why would you need God? So God oftentimes calls us to things far bigger than us. If you ever feel like you're not qualified for ministry, you would be, except for the fact that God's Holy Spirit is now with you, which qualifies you pretty good. Because whatever you lack, I guarantee he makes up. This morning, we get to talk about an area of ministry, and it's, it's called discipleship, and it's a very exciting area of ministry. Before I get to that, however, we do have a memory verse for our entire, I, I hinted at it before, but for our series, our memory verse is Ephesians 2.10, which says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This really becomes a theological cornerstone for us to really build our idea of, of trusting that God is at work with us. If, it's not, if, this, if it wasn't for this truth, then we would just be um, guessing if, if God really wants us to minister. Are I really qualified? But this passage written to the church at Ephesus, God through the Holy Spirit, right? So the, the Apostle Paul, he, he tells us that we are God's masterwork, his handiwork, his masterpiece. God crafted not just pastors, but all of us. Crafted you specifically, and get this, in Christ Jesus. That you're not set apart. You're not, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. You're part of the body. You're not a pinky that's supposed to float off in outer space doing nothing, right? You're part of the body in Christ Jesus. He's built you into something amazing. He's called you and identifies with you. And he's made you to do something. You're not supposed to just be here and exist. There is a purpose and a meaning in your life. And the sum total of your effort and time here will be good. He's created you to do good works. Not for salvation, but because He saved you. Because you're part of who Christ is. His body now. He's called you His family. He's called you to do great things. We just have to identify what are the good things that God called you to. And I love this, that God also prepared the good works in advance for you. They're waiting. You can't fail. This is why this verse has become our centerpiece, our theological cornerstone, now that we build our understanding of ministry. And therefore, it's important that we spend time, that we don't just memorize this, but we really think about what it says and how it applies to our lives. Spend some time. Don't just memorize what it says, but then think about what does it mean? How does it apply to you? And you can even pray this. I, I remember early on, as uh, one of, this is one of the earlier verses that I memorized, was to ask God. It says, Lord, you said that I'm your handiwork. And at that time, I didn't feel so handy, right? How is it? What did you craft me to be? What are the good works? Or maybe you're serving right now. Say, Lord, I, I need your help in the good works. <laughs> what is it that you, you, you know, pray this over yourself, memorize it, think about what it says and how it applies. It's amazing how God's Word transforms us. Okay, now that you have God's Word in your heart, let's open it up in your Bibles. So if you have your Bible, turn it to Matthew chapter 28. That's the Gospel of Matthew. It's the very last chapter of it. And uh, we're going to be there at the very end of it, starting in verse 18. 
If you have one of our Bibles from the church here, that's going to be on page 698. If you forgot your Bible today or you need one, don't worry about it. We have lots of them. They've got some by the uh, sound booth in the back there on the bookshelf, and you can help yourself to one of those. And uh, if you need a Bible, please keep it. That'll be our gift to you. All right, so in Matthew chapter 28, the very end of it, we come to a place that's called the Great Commission. And so it's an important passage for us, especially as Christians, where Jesus calls together his disciples. Let me give you the context of that. Uh, After Jesus was crucified, he rose again, and that was amazing. And he showed himself for 40 days to the apostles. So it wasn't just like a one-and-done thing. He spent time with them, he talked with them, he ate with them. It's pretty obvious that he was around. And so he wanted them to make sure so they had the confidence to know that our faith was based upon reality. And after those 40 days, he spent time with them. He got ready. He was going to now leave the church into their hands. And so he gives them this commission. These are Christ's marching orders for the church, for his disciples. And we're disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. This is the marching orders for us. And then, so we read the words of Christ, his commission that he's given each of us. In verse 18, we, we begin, it says, And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, if that sounds familiar, it should. We memorize it at least once a year because it's so important. These are our marching orders from Christ. This morning, as we talk about discipleship and discipleship ministry, I'm going to start with three observations about discipleship, and then we're going to talk about discipleship ministry here at the Christian Church and how you might be able to engage. And so the first thing that I want you to notice is that discipleship is the responsibility of all Christians. All right? Did you see that in verse 18? It says, Jesus came to them, his disciples. He didn't just come to a few of them. He didn't just pull apart, you know, Peter and James and John, right? He did that a few times, but not this time. He had his disciples. All of them were there. All of them that Jesus had spent three years training and discipling. He brings them together, and he starts with this. He says, all authority. Now, I'm pretty sure the disciples knew that God had the authority to tell them what to do, that Jesus had the authority. Why does he have to do this? Because we need to remember that he has the right to tell us. This was not the great suggestion. It's the great commission, right? And Jesus says, listen up. I have the right to tell you. Let me just remind you that I'm not out of jurisdiction. I'm not out of bounds. This is what I want you to do. All authority in heaven and on earth. You don't get away from this. What does he tell us to do? There is one imperative. And if you want to get uh, for our graduates, you know, the imperative verbs as you diagram sentences, it's the thing that's the command. There is one command that God gave his disciples. And in our English language, when you read in here, because of how English grammar sets up, it makes us, oftentimes, we think the imperative is to go. Because it's all, he says, uh, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. So in the English language, our syntax, how, how our language works, it makes us think that the imperative is to go. But that's not what Jesus commanded. The imperative command in this is to make disciples. That's the one thing he told his disciples to do. All the rest of the verbs that are in there, go and baptize and teach, all those are descriptives of how we make disciples. But what he told us to do is to make disciples. 
That's not just for a few. That's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the evangelists. For all of us, if you are a follower of Jesus, his command is to make disciples. Your disciple, make disciples. And what is it that I say every single Sunday? I say, welcome to the Christian Church of Essex Park. We are disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. That wasn't by accident. It's, this is what God has called us to do. And so we're all called to be disciple makers. The problem is, is that many in the church don't know what that means. And see, what happened is that Jesus told his disciples, who had just spent three years being discipled, he's called them together, and they, he said to those who had just been discipled, now do the same thing. You've been discipled, now make disciples. And in a healthy environment, that's exactly how it should work, right? That's, that's the process that was supposed to work. However, over 2,000 years, we've done a lot of really good things, but some of the things that we haven't done great is, is that oftentimes we haven't had uh, experience in the church as being discipled. It hasn't been the experience of most Christians. Like when I first came to faith, uh, you know, most people have a conversion experience, and then what they have is a sit and learn experience. Uh, they come to faith, they're baptized into Christ, and then what do you do? Well, you show up on Sunday and you sit, and then you, you put some money in the basket, and then you're a Christian, right? That's what you do. Have communion once in a while, and that's what they think. But that's not what it's about. That's not the new life that we're called to. That's part of it, but that's not the new life. But most of us haven't had the experience of being discipled. We've never had somebody teach us and train us. And so what are we supposed to do now if we sit here 2,000 years removed and where most of us, if we say, okay, I'm going to disciple somebody. I don't even know what that means. Are we, are we lost? Is, is, is discipleship ended? Have we, can we not do this? Well, no. Christ is with us, remember? And so we remember back to that passage that we started with back at Easter. It says, here's an amazing thirst. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Christ himself is still at work. Just because you may not have had a discipleship experience in your life thus far doesn't mean that there's no hope for you. You can be discipled. We are disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. That's what we do. If your experience in Christ so far has been conversion and then learning, I'll tell you, there's something so much better. Something so much better. And that's what we're spending time worshiping God with our talents is part of that. It's growing and, and learning in this new life and living it together. And the cool thing is, is that God has already put people in our church that are gifted to help equip and train people in their discipleship. That's what it says. That's what that passage says, that Christ himself is already on it. And that's what discipleship ministry in the Christian church is. It's the ministry in the church of equippers. It's the ministry in the church of those whom God has brought here to help train the rest of us to what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. The second thing we want to talk about is discipleship is a process. You're a disciple on day one, right? Jesus called his disciples, is what it said, you know, early in the Gospels. It says then he called his 12 disciples early on, but they were green. Right? On day one, when Jesus called Peter, Peter wasn't ready to go into, into, you know, to really grow the church at that point, was he? He had a lot of questions. He had a lot of growth to do. God had some character work to do in Peter's life. John and James were the same way, but they were disciples on day one. 
But discipleship is a process. It begins when you start. You, you're, you are a disciple of Jesus the moment that you come to Christ, but, but discipleship doesn't end with, with your conversion. In fact, we find with this passage that discipleship begins before conversion. Do you see that in, in this passage where, where Jesus says that all authority in heaven has been given to him, he says, therefore, make disciples? He then describes how do we make disciples? And he starts with go. That's outreach. Discipleship begins the moment somebody reaches you with the gospel. That's where discipleship begins. I mean, how could you follow Christ if you have no idea who he is? And so discipleship begins with the outreach. And outreach is very important. That's a part of our discipleship ministry is reaching our community. And serving our community, loving our community. So many of you are already in discipleship ministry. You are serving as volunteers in, in local organizations. You're volunteering as Christians, as part of our church, serving our community. You are already in discipleship ministry. You just didn't know it. How amazing is that? You have to go. But it doesn't end there. The next thing it says is to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. That's the next step. right? Once somebody has been reached with the gospel, there will be those who receive the gospel. And in Scripture, we see that there are ways that God wants us to. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus as our God and as our Savior. But He wants us to express that faith. And so the Bible has some prescribed ways where it says, I want you to express your faith your invisible faith in very visible, tangible ways. And those are belief. That's trusting God, even in spite of our doubts. It's a, it's a work of the mind, but it's, it's a saying, God, I'm going to trust you. That's belief. Then there is confession. That's identifying with Jesus, saying, I'm now a follower of Jesus. You can say it with your mouth. You can say it with your life. Right? Then there is repentance. That's actually beginning to change how I live. I used to be the boss of my life. Now God's going to be the boss of my life. That's that's a, that's your faith being expressed in repentance. And then there's baptism, the only one that's 
really objective. The rest are kind of subjective and they're lifelong. This one is a one-time event, fortunately. And you're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? That's as Christ has commanded. And that's being born again. It's, it's a declaration to Christ and the world that you are now with Christ, that you are now just like he died and, and rose again. You also are dying to your old self or raised again, just as an, an understanding the 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 Jewish people would have a ritual, uh, uh, their baptisms were, were for ritual cleansing, that their sins would be washed away. But you're, when you're being baptized, you're saying that Christ has paid for your sins and has washed them away, and that you are dead to those old sins and are raised clean and new in Christ, that you are part of this community. Amazing thing. That, that's what we talked about in the scripture here is conversion. And so part of discipleship is taking that step of faith and saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, every newborn baby has no idea what it means to be a human yet, right? But they're coming into this world. They're all in, right? That's what, that's what that, that conversion is about. It's saying, all right, I'm going to be part. And it's unlike our physical birth, our spiritual birth, we have a choice in. It's I'm going to be born into this family. You make that decision. Now you're all in. You're part of God's family. That's part of discipleship. If you have been reached with the gospel, if you have heard it, the next step in your discipleship is to receive the gospel, to be saved by God's grace through faith. That's part of being a disciple that makes disciples. That's part of it. But fortunately, it doesn't end there. I think as a church, we do a really good job with the first two steps of discipleship. We reach a lot of people with the gospel, and we bring a lot of people to faith. And a lot of us, though, that's kind of where it ends. For many people, the experience of faith has been, I heard the gospel, I received the gospel, I, I came to faith, I was baptized, now I'm part of the church, now what? But it goes on. The Great Commission isn't just go and, and to baptize. He then says, look at this. He says, and then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's the hard work. That's the messy part right? Now, I know, praise God, I've never given birth to a child because that would be weird, right? I'm a man. And it's called labor, right? For a reason. That's difficult. And sometimes helping somebody come to Christ can be difficult. But I'll tell you, bringing a baby into the world from most moms that I've talked to, though is labor, is easier than raising that child to a point of 18. So you send them out into the world. Sometimes the process of growing a person up, a human, teaching them how to be a, a, a respectable, good person is, is longer and harder and more fraught with pain and fear. That's the process that, that, that God calls us to. We're born again, and now we need to learn what does it mean to grow up in faith. And he brought the church around, and he says, now teach each other how to follow him in all things, how to grow up in this, how to to train one another to become mature believers in Christ. That's the process. Teach to obey. And so discipleship ministry in the church has all three, outreach, evangelism, but also training. Not just learning, but training. And it's not easy. It's a, it's a lifelong process. It's not easy to, to follow Jesus. as you Just like a baby. I think about like an, an infant. An infant would make a lousy adult. I mean, think about it as an adult acted like an infant. 
They would be worthless. They would lose all their jobs, just throwing fits all the time, causing all kinds of messes. Everybody's got to serve them, right? So self-centered, all that kind of stuff. They have no idea. But loving parents treat infants like infants, not adults. They wake up at 2 a.m. and feed them five times a day and show them love and compassion even when the child doesn't know to return that love and compassion back. It is the same way in the church as we disciple. Disciple makers love baby Christians through the mess, not expecting that they would know what it, how to behave or how to live like a mature Christian. And as they grow up, taking the patience and the time and the care it's the endurance, the long-suffering of, of, of those who help others grow in Christ. That's a disciple-maker. The amazing thing is that all of us are disciple-makers. And we get to care for one another and raise each other up as we grow in Christ. Train others who are a little less mature than you are in Christ, who've walked just a few steps behind you, and help bring them to faith, either outreaching those. If you are baptized, you can outreach if you've been a Christian for a week, you can teach somebody who's a, <laughs> what does it mean to, to come to faith, can't you? All of us are qualified in this, to go baptize and teach, that we understand that discipleship is a process, it's a process that, that lasts the rest of our lives. I've been a disciple of Jesus for a long time, decades now, and I'm still learning how to obey Him in all things. I know what He's commanded now, it's just the application of it, Right? And learning how to do that, it's, it's an amazing thing. Now, here's the third thing that is so great about discipleship is this, we find from this, is that discipleship is empowered by God. It's empowered by God. You notice what it says here at the very end. Jesus was very certain to put this in here in verse 20. After he says, teach them to command, obey everything I commanded you, he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Why would Jesus tell him that? Because we need him to do this. The work is too much for us. The thing is that humans can't do the transformation that is necessary, right? Uh, religion is all about creating walls to pen in our, our nasty nature, isn't it? It has rules, things like don't punch other people, right? There's like rules about that. Now, if there wasn't that rule, I would punch somebody, but now there's this rule and I'm a good religious person, so I'm not going to punch that person. Be generous. Well, without that rule, I would be selfish, but I'm, now there's this rule, so I'm going to be generous, right? Uh, be kind. Well, I would be snarky, but nope, there's this rule now. So what religion does, and it hems us in and creates this, this tighter and tighter box to contain the wickedness that we have, so we behave like better people. The problem of religion is, is that it can't transform the beast inside the cage. Only God can do that. See, that's why without Christ, discipleship would be nothing more than creating Pharisees. It would be creating hyper-religious people that are just still, like Jesus said, whitewashed sepulchers, look beautiful on the outside, but are still filled with death and contention on the inside. But God makes dead things alive. He transforms us. See, that's the amazing thing about discipleship, is that as we follow Christ, as I learn to, to make His priorities mine, as I, as I learn to obey what he, has, what he has commanded, He transforms me from the inside out. So I don't need laws anymore that say don't punch that person, because He changes who I am. He writes, it says in the Hebrews, His new law on my heart. 
It don't have to have laws that say be generous because God changes me to be a generous person that actually wants to care for others. I don't have to have a law that says don't be snarky. God changes me from the inside so I become a compassionate person, a kind person. God transforms us. See, when I am am discipled, when I follow Christ in this, he actually changes me. And when I teach others to obey Jesus, I'm not teaching them to follow rules that hem them in. I'm leading them to the Savior who can transform them from the inside out. That's the power of it. When we are discipled and when we disciple others, we see a miracle happen before our eyes. It's a metamorphosis. It's a true change. If you knew me the moment I became a Christian and you met me today, my character is entirely different. And the man that I'm going to be, if the Lord tarries and I get to live another 20 years, 20 years from now, my character will be so much more like Christ then than it even is now. There's a transformation that is happening here. For all disciples, we're being transformed from the inside out, but that transformation takes place as we learn to obey Christ in all things. So, discipleship is this amazing thing that it's a transformation, it's a miracle. We see it before our eyes. It's also how Jesus said the world would be one. It's, it's Christ's model for church growth, for, for how to change the world. It was not just to go and to, to teach people about Jesus. It wasn't just to convert the world. That wasn't how he said the world would change. He says, go make disciples because he's transforming dead people and making them beautiful and alive all around the world. That's how it happens. Discipleship ministry then at our church is about how do we equip, how do we equip the church to do this? How do we equip and grow the church and to be disciples that make disciples? That's what disciple ministry are in our church. You know, uh, several weeks ago when we started this, this uh, Say Yes series, we, we, we talked about different ways to approach it. How do we go and help engage our people and us ourselves into worshiping God with the gifts and the abilities that he's given us? How do I begin to serve God knowing that I'm his handiwork, right? If God made me a hammer, then he made me to be a hammer, right? Not a screwdriver, right? So if I'm a hammer, then how do I find my ministry? As we talked about that, how do we felt to help uh, grow our body in Christ faithfully so we're worshiping God according to how he's made us? What was the best and most clear way to do that? We read in Scripture so often in the New Testament, God talks about the, the church as a family, but he also talks about us as a body so many times. And if the church is a body, there are like, uh, uh, and he says that, and, and oftentimes when it talks about ministry and finding our ministry in the church, the New Testament talks about, uses the, the analogy of a body to explain that, so we did the same thing. We say, like, in our human body, there are different systems. There's a circulatory system, the, there's the, you know, the, the respiratory system, and each of those systems have different parts that do their own special work, right, to make those systems work. Well, in the church, there are different systems of ministry, and that's what we've been talking about. Uh, you know, we began with, you have the, the hospitality system, which helps greet people and help them grow in connectedness. Uh, we had uh, Zach did a great job the last couple of weeks he talked about the worship system, how we begin to draw people into centering their life in Christ, using their creative abilities and talents to, to help others center their life in Christ. Then also our, our children and our youth ministries, helping grow up generations of faithfulness. 
This morning, we talk about discipleship ministry. It's just another system of ministry. It's a ministry system, and you may be part of that system. You just didn't know it yet. So how, how do you connect in discipleship ministry? How do you know if you've been gifted by God, His handiwork, crafted in Christ, uh, placed by Christ Himself here to help others grow in Christ? Well, there are some different opportunities that you might look at in our church that we have to begin serving in our discipleship ministry. So in your program, just notice there's this menu of ministry opportunities that we have. And so here's some ways to get into serving in discipleship ministry. There are three major areas in our discipleship ministry that we can serve. The first one is Christian education. The next one is our life group ministry. And the third is our men's and women's ministry. I'll go through each one. Our, our Christian uh, education ministry is all about helping train and how do we, we grow in Christ, right? How do we... Um, how do we understand doctrine? How do we begin to apply that? It's, it's Bible studies. It's also different types of practical trainings on like Christian marriage and, and parenting and things like that. Classes that teach us what to follow. How do we obey? All right, so that's that ministry. To get into that ministry, begin to serving in that ministry, there are some very easy first step kind of opportunities to serve in there. Like this one is uh, the personal discipleship. Uh, we have a, a group we launched last year. It's just uh, families that said, listen, I'm willing to, folks that have been walking with the Lord for a little while, said, listen, I'm willing to help somebody who's younger in the faith learn how to follow Christ, either in a one-on-one or just like a one-on-two, just a very small group type thing, very personal relationships, how to grow stronger in the faith. Now, the best way to get into that ministry is starting out being a disciple, to actually say, I'm going to commit myself to learning what does it mean to follow Christ. And if you are interested in that, there's a space for you. Let us know. We will help you connect with somebody who's been walking with the Lord just a little bit longer. And um, it's, it's a fairly, as far as administration of the church, a little bit more hands-off because it's personal. You get to know each other. You grow and you do life together and you grow in faith. One of my disciples that I've been training for, for years, he started when he was in seventh grade, and, and now he's uh, almost ready to graduate from Bible college, uh, is, was here this morning. And um, it was pretty awesome. He gets to spend the summer with us. And uh, the thing is, we see is that discipleship, and he told me after the sermon, he's like, you know what? I want to be in discipleship ministry. I want to help somebody else grow because he was discipled. Now he knows how to disciple others. If you want to start that process, this is a ministry that you might want to be in. How about this one? You have our, uh, our class and seminar support crew. As we teach Bible classes and, and, and all those types of things and, and seminars that we do, like our Difference Maker Seminar, there's a lot of, of support work that needs to take place. And so um, if you eventually, if you want to be a teacher or things like this, it's a great way to kind of get into that because you kind of see how classes are put together, how do we organize things, but it's basically support staff. It's making sure that everything's where it's supposed to be, people are greeted and all that kind of stuff. It's getting in, helping sure, making sure that we have uh, uh, the... Uh, the personal support that we need to help others learn how to follow Christ. And so that's a great ministry that you can be part of. Our life group ministry is modeled after really the first church. It was so cool uh, when we were in Jerusalem. I won't give you too many stories, but I got to stand on the steps that, uh, that Jesus walked up as he would go to the temple, right? And that Peter and John, they preached on like Pentecost. And at the bottom of them, there are all these baptisms. And, and so for years, they said, well, how could they baptize 3,000 people? Well, then they found like dozens of baptistries right at the foot of the Temple Mount, like, like big baptistries, all that kind of stuff. That's where the church was born. 
That's an amazing thing. What well, says after the epic, 3,000 people, that's a pretty big church. How did they grow in Christ? All the disciples didn't get to know each of those people individually, so how did they grow them in Christ? Well, it says they met together every week together for worship, like you're doing here. That's why we do this. Church, the large congregation worshiping as a body. But then it says they met in each other's homes. That's what life group ministry is about. It's not just Bible studies. It's not just home group Bible studies. It's life groups. In our life groups, there's three major areas that we focus on. Bible study is one of them. Fellowship is one, getting to know one another, caring for one another, and service is one of them, because the early church served their community and one another. That's what our life groups are all about. And of course, we encourage all of our, our, uh, our church to be engaged in life groups, to be able to grow and be discipled, and that's a great way to grow as disciples. But in our life groups, because of those three major focuses, there's areas that you can serve in a life group. Right? Eventually, you might want to be a leader or a host, but you don't have to. But there are some easy ways to begin if you're just being part of a life group that you can serve, like being a fellowship and activities coordinator. Learning to actually, when people play together, they get to like each other a lot more, right? If you are good at coordinating like just fun activities for, for small groups of people, that might be an area in your life group that you can serve. You just plan something once a month. That's a fun thing. Maybe it's bowling. Maybe it's a movie night. You've, that's a great way of, of, of being able to serve. Uh, the next one that we have is, is our meals coordinator. You know, like our men's breakfast, uh, if there's no breakfast... There's no men, right? Well, same thing with our life groups. So much of ministry that happened in, in life group ministry, is, is, uh, in Christ's ministry, happened around a table. Where there's food, there's fellowship. And so if you want to take a burden off the host and say, listen, I'll set up the sheet to remind you, like this family is going to bring dinner this night, or if you all do like a potluck, or you want to help coordinate that, there's a place for you in that. Or how about this, uh, the service and outreach coordinator? It's a big name, but all it means is it's somebody that just finds areas that your group can go and serve maybe once a month or once a quarter to go and serve as, as Christ's ambassadors in our community. Maybe it's somebody in our church that you want to go help. Maybe it's somebody in your own life group that you help. Maybe it's something in your neighborhood. But if you have a heart for serving that outreach you, in your life group, this is a place that you can serve in your life group. Help coordinate those things as an area for you to serve. Or how about this men's and women ministry? That God has called us as men and women uh, to grow in him. And there's some amazing things in scripture that talks about how do we grow as men and women in Christ. And that's what these ministries are about. There's ways that you could serve in it. One of them is our greeting crew. I'll tell you, like for our men's breakfast, this is so important. Because if you uh, show up for men's breakfast, and sometimes we've had this happen where I'm not a morning person. And you show up and the lights are barely on, right? And you show up and it kind of looks a little bit like... Uh, uh, you're the only one that's awake. It, you, it just sets the morning off, right? You just, okay. But if you will show up and there's somebody greeting you at the door, you know, pounding you, hey, brother, glad you're here, right? It changes it, doesn't it? It opens you up, ready to go. That's what this is all about. Uh, being one of those greeters, greetings is so important. Or how about this, uh, materials. Uh, every time we're going to do a, a class or an event with our men's or women's, making sure that all the materials that we need, if you have administrative gifts or things, this is a great place to serve in that to make sure that, that the tools for ministry are available for the events that we have. That's uh, part of that crew. The next one is our setup and takedown crew. Setting up and taking down for breakfast or for other types of events we might do with our, our, our men's and women's ministry. Uh, that would be an area to serve. Just If you like to serve kind of behind the scenes, it's a great way to go. And then also refreshments crew. This is the breakfast part of the men's breakfast, by the way. This is bringing food. If you are a good cook and you, you can use that to serve Jesus, that's, uh, if God's gifted you with that, a great place to serve. 
All of these are just first steps into these areas of ministry. They all lead to greater areas of service if you want to and you're ready, but what they are is they're just areas to kind of tip your, uh, your foot in the water. Because remember, following Jesus is just a step at a time. None of these are giant leaps. Uh, they're just a step. Most of these ministries are uh, one hour or less once a week, once, uh, one hour or once a month, really, for three months. They're, they're small areas of service. But what it does is it gets you into the ministry, seeing if this is where God has called you to serve. This is the area you like to serve. These are areas to begin with. And, and like I said, and after that, we, of course, follow up and, and talk with you. And if you would like to stay in those ministries to help develop and to grow in those areas of ministry, then we can help you uh, serve in greater capacities. But each of these uh, ministries, if there's one that you say, you know what, I really love this. I think this is what I'd like to do. You can write it on your connection card, and, and we'll follow up with you this week. Or on that Say Yes kiosk, that lovely kiosk, because it's kind of hard to see right there between you and the donuts. It's lit, all lit and all that kind of stuff. Every week... For all the different areas of ministry, all the different uh, ministry systems, you'll find which are those cards, those ministry cards. They have the title that's on there, and then you open it up, it tells you about what the ministry is. And if there's any of those ministries that you say, you know what, I want to try this out, fill it out, drop it in the offering basket anytime. That following week, we're going to get together with you. We're going to help you connect in an area of ministry that you've chosen to serve. So, recap. This morning we talked about discipleship. Discipleship ministry. Discipleship, we talked about, it's a command for all Christians. We're all to be called disciple makers, right? And and discipleship is that process. Go, baptize, teach. Discipleship ministry at the Christian church is is being part of those that help train the ministers, the support staff, the service ministry. And so it's part of Christ's strategy to grow and uh, knowing that this is how we help our church grow in Christ so that we can all teach others how to follow Christ and, uh, and grow in Him. And so uh, as we bring this to a close, uh, maybe there is a ministry that you want to follow up on, but I think for all of us, there should be next steps, right? Even if you haven't been called to serve in discipleship ministry or wondering if you do. So if you wouldn't mind, take out your connection card, because I do have some next steps for you. The Word of God, Jesus said, don't go to the Word and come away unchanged, right? Otherwise, you wasted your time. So here's some next steps I'm going to invite you to take this week as you begin to apply some of the truths that we talked about today. On the back of your connection card, your first next step that I'm going to challenge you to take is to memorize Ephesians 2.10. Why? Because if you don't start with the Word of God, how can you begin practicing this as faith? That you are God's handiwork. That's why we minister. We're trusting that this is true. Well, maybe you need to take some time to really believe that it is true. Or to pray this through, to know this is a truth of God's Word. Spend some time. And maybe this week you say, I'm just going to memorize this. I'm going to think about what it has to say. Take that, that memory verse home. Pray over it. Maybe that's your step this week. Or maybe what your next step this week is to read Acts 1 through 8. Why? You're going to see the church as it grew in the, in the gospel of Acts from a bunch of people who had no idea who Jesus were to being the powerful advancing kingdom of God, right? Growing in discipleship. You're going to see what discipleship looks like. You're also going to prepare yourself very well for this summer series because we're going to be finishing up in just a few weeks the last part of Acts, right? So uh, this will kind of prep you for uh, just kind of refresher of everything that we've studied in Acts so far. Uh, that will prep you for this next the series coming up. Maybe what you want to do is you want to pray for three. What is that all about? Well, remember, making disciples starts with going. I guarantee you know three people who don't know Christ right? Three people. We're supposed to go to them, but you don't want to impose Christ on them. That's not nice. And so we ought to start with prayer. Know three people, pray for them. Pray for them by name. 
You know, God, I pray that God prepares their heart for the gospel, that he makes them thirsty for it, that they would understand it, that he would, he would meet them there in that space because Christ is with you always, right? He's part of this process, even in the going. So begin praying for three people. Pray for them. Ask God to prepare them for the gospel. Ask God to prepare you to share it when the time is right. But you start with prayer, so maybe that's where that is. How about this? Maybe your next step is to say yes to discipleship ministry. One of those ministries we talked about today, you said, yes, I, I know that I should be in discipleship ministry, but I'm not sure which one. Let me know, so I'll be praying with you this week that God will reveal and guide you in that, that he'll help you take those steps. But today would be saying yes to God, saying, yes, I know that this is the area that you called me to, and I'm going to start serving in here. I just don't know quite where yet. So Maybe it's saying yes in discipleship ministry. Let me know. Or... Maybe you need to say, listen, I don't know if I'm a hand or an eyeball in the body of Christ. I have no idea which. I invite you to come to our, our we're going to do a uh, gifts class. So this whole series, we're getting all the people that are interested in that gifts class. It's going to be two nights. Uh, it usually takes two weeks, right? So one night, one week, and then one night the following week. And you go through, it's very in-depth, and we'll go through and talk about and help you discover how God crafted you. So you'll find your place in his kingdom. And if you would like to be part of that class, let me know, write it down, let me have your name and your information so we can let you know when the class is ready to go, and so we also have your materials ready. Maybe that's your step this week. Maybe there's something else. Write that down. Let me know. As your pastor, I will be praying with you and for you. I support you as you grow in Christ in this ministry. Lastly, as always, I invite you, please write your prayer requests. God is answering prayers, and so write them down. Let me pray with you. Our staff will be praying with you. Our pastors will be praying with you this week. So let us know how to pray. And uh, we will join you with that this week. In just a minute, we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, we worship God with our treasure. Worship Him with your talent as well, I encourage you. Take this connection card, drop it in the offering basket, and uh, dedicate yourself to Him. Say yes to God. Let's pray for our offering and for our commitments, and uh, then I'll have our worship team come out, and uh, they'll uh, close us with a good word of worship. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for Your calling and ministry, Your goodness in our lives that you have made us not just to sit and look pretty, but you called us, you made us for good works, and you made the good works in advance for us. Lord, uh, what a privilege that is. Lord, we know that you called us all to discipleship, to be disciples, that build disciples. Help us to fulfill that faithfully. We're grateful to know that you're with us in this good work. Lord, I pray that today that you would uh, bless each one that is here today. Gift them with the light of your wisdom and guidance Show them who that you've crafted them to be. Father, I pray that uh, you would also guard and protect their hearts and their spirits as they grow and to do the good works which you've called them to do. Grow them in their faith as well as those around them because of their faith. May we as a church be a blessing to this community because of who you are and who you're making us to be. Father, I pray for the commitments we've made as well as the gifts and the tithes that we get to bring to you, worshiping you with our treasure and also with our talents. May you be glorified, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.